Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priest made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. Well, good morning, everyone. Um... I don't know how many of you have been watching the one show on BBC One, um, but what they've been doing um, every now and then is checking in with this um, estate in Dudley, near where I used to live actually, and um, what happens is people bring their camping chairs and their uh, mugs of coffee out at about 11 o'clock in the morning for a kind of socially distanced coffee morning, and um, they sort of talk about what it's been like in lockdown, all those kind of things, and um, on the one that I saw, uh, they were talking about the fact that those that they're apart from, they keep something um, that smells like them um, close by and a couple of them said you know I, I sort of uh, I have his jumper right next to me on the pillow and all this kind of thing to sort of say that it keeps us close that it is uh, smell if you like is a very um, evocative and and sometimes quite an intimate thing and in this story there's something of a change of atmosphere. There's something of a shift in the way that Mary fills the house. Verse 3 of the passage says that the whole house is filled with the smell of this nard, this expensive perfume that Mary, in this costly act of love and devotion, expresses and pours out. And as we're on our series of longing for hope, I think there is real hope in this passage, in this particular encounter with Jesus because this is enjoyment of faith this is liberty and freedom and if you've ever thought that faith was about religion and piety and playing it straight by the rules in a very very kind of legalistic way I think it's really clear here that here is someone who is free free of ego, free of worrying what people think, in a place of friendship that is so rich, that is so intimate, that is so happy, actually, that she wants to celebrate. In fact, the whole room is a celebration. It's a party. And I love the fact that the Bible has many parties within it. Jesus loves celebration. He makes that very clear. And this is a celebration because this family here in Bethany have seen their brother Lazarus 
brought back from the dead. So, I mean, you can't even think of a better way to have a party and know there are are many people wanting to uh, gather with friends and loved ones at the moment. And it's it's raw when we can't because we want to celebrate those milestones, those things in our lives. And this is a party where Jesus is risking it all too. He has made his way back to Bethany, even though this is the place where the authorities are going to track him down. They're looking for him because... He has really threatened them, not physically, but he's threatened them because they've heard about Lazarus. They've heard that he really is who he says he is because he has the power over death and and he's evidenced it. And so they're after Lazarus as well because they want to actually get rid of the evidence, interestingly. So in this passage, there's that beautiful self-forgetfulness that I think if we're honest, we would all like to just obsess a little bit less about what people think of us. And she doesn't care. She's caught up in a moment. And it's a sacred moment, actually. Russell Brand tweeted last week about the fact that he said it feels like lockdown has put us in a monastic corner. (laughs) You might not feel like that about your home at the moment, but the summit has been. It's put us in a monastic corner and he says it's stationed us to crave a connection with the divine and the sacred. And he said he thinks that that's why we're all Googling prayer and investigating faith. He said there's a yearning in us for a change in the atmosphere that we see here. There's a yearning perhaps to move from self and comfort where we perhaps were into self-sacrifice and love and kindness. And we're seeing it already. We're seeing that in spite of the real pain and loss that is around, whether that's jobs, whether that's finance, whether that's a loved one we're still seeing that we want to increase the love for one another we want to hold back a little bit for ourselves so that we can share what we have you know I've seen that in my road so much that we all want to serve one another and this is an act of servanthood how do I know that this is um, humility rather than exhibitionism? Well, there's two things that, that we need to, I think, just dwell on for a minute. One is that Mary anoints Jesus' feet, not his head. And when you're going to honour somebody in these times, you anointed their head In Psalm 23, the psalmist says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And yes, she's sort of overflowing with this love and this devotion, but she doesn't get to the head, she gets as far as the feet. Doesn't that kind of resonate with us a little bit, that we we just sort of get to the feet? You know, we know that we're we're not worthy. We know that really, if it was about perfection, none of us would really stand. But Mary has got it. She has got the fact that she's loved. She's got the fact that Jesus is her friend and wants closeness and intimacy and friendship. And so she's there at his feet. The second reason we know that it's humility is because she's got her hair down. Now, there's lots of talk about hair and our need for hairdressers, isn't there, at the moment. But Mary has let her hair down. And, you know, to us that might not seem very much, but actually in those days it was a big deal. Hair was a big deal in the Bible. If you were a woman, you would have your hair back. If you got married, it would only be your husband that would actually see your hair let down in in private. And so, in a way, this is a private act in a public place, interestingly. Why? Because it's about that relationship, not religion. 
it's an intimate, quiet, private moment almost that others get to witness. And what happens, sadly, is that criticism comes her way. And how many of us too can identify with that, that maybe we have put ourselves out there at one point. Maybe you even became part of a church or put yourself out there in some way to serve and maybe you got criticised and you've, you've pushed back or you've pulled back. And, you know, I think if that is you, please take encouragement for the fact that Jesus had his critics all the time. Mary here in the most beautiful, costly love gets criticised. But what we need to do is look for a a second at Judas. His heart hasn't changed yet. He's a follower of Jesus, yes, but Jesus doesn't have his heart yet. Why? Because he's still living for self. He's creaming off the prophets. I love the fact that John sort of comments that when he criticises her about the poor, he says it wasn't about the poor. Actually, it was about what was going on in him. It was about the fact that he was creaming off the money. And when we are criticised and flawed and and perhaps pushed back, sometimes, um, I think we read, wasn't it, a few months ago, that, you know, everyone we meet is is, is fighting a battle that we can't see, actually. And it's true with Judas, not excusing what he does, but he hasn't got it yet. So we have these juxtaposed positions of someone who's still perhaps caught up in, in religion and show, and someone who is all about private relationship and doesn't care, quite frankly, what other people think. Uh, I love um, Tim Keller's book on self-forgetfulness, and he calls it the freedom of self-forgetfulness, the permission to no longer be driven uh, by our ego and be oversensitive to comparison. Um, And how do we get there? Because that's lovely in theory, isn't it? But how do we get there? Well, I think Mary has got the fact that Jesus' love for her is so great that he's brought her brother back from death. But more importantly, almost still, he's shown her that there is a kingdom that is not of this world. She's caught up in a moment because she's either lost the plot, hasn't she, quite frankly, or she's got caught up in a different story. And I, I think it's the second one. I think she's got caught up in God's story and he's enlarged her heart so that this love pours out of her. I was trying to think of a time when I've seen this kind of perhaps um, raw devotion, if you like. And I was thinking back to a time of worship in a big tent at a festival years ago. And we were all being reminded that we were forgiven, that whatever we'd done, um, Jesus's love was greater still and he loved us. And suddenly this little girl ran to the front of this very, very big tent and there was a wooden cross placed at the front to represent Jesus' death and, uh, and, and forgiveness of us. And she threw her arms around it publicly and just hugged the cross. And she stayed there for the the entire song. She was just hugging the cross with this beautiful smile. And uh, she was someone who had Down syndrome. Uh, She had uh, some challenges, uh, as many of us do, in all sorts of different ways. And yet she flew to the cross and clung there in a way that actually was so liberated that, that you kind of envied her, that freedom. And uh, children are our teachers in these things, aren't they? So as we draw to a close, I just wanted to really remind us that true humility 
says that actually I know who I am and I know who I'm not. And even to almost defy the critics, they may have a point, of course, there often is, but actually to live freely and lightly, to live for a kingdom beyond this one, requires what? It requires us breathing in this love first, accepting that we are loved and forgiven, and that actually Jesus has, as we see in this passage, he's beaten death for us. So it's almost like we don't have to try harder and say, I must worship more. It's that we can't help but worship. We can't help but love him. Um, I have been walking rather naughtily on an area that uh, uh, is close by where we live here. Um, And I've been doing it as my exercise every day. And uh, it's it's very posh and uh, it's part of a sort of elite golf club near where where I live. And um, I have been sort of had this sense really of trespassing because I wasn't sure in lockdown whether I was allowed to be there but I peeped through the hedge on day one of lockdown and seen how beautiful it was and I just thought I love how open it is and pretty and so I've been every day going for my exercise there but I'm not a golfer I'm not a member there were barriers up and I had to sort of weave my way through and uh, I always had that sense of trepidation that uh, you know would I be discovered at some point and sure enough after weeks of doing this and enjoying it but still with that slight sense of being undeserving uh, the car that I'd always seen at the big house uh, on the uh, course came towards me as I was uh, entering through the, the barriers and I was sort of caught if you like red-handed and I had my music in and uh, just about to go and um, this guy winds the window down and he I thought what was he going to say and he just said hello again enjoy it and I just thought oh my goodness I'm allowed in I'm, I'm welcome and the difference that made in this enjoyment this freedom that I had to listen to my music and uh, the words were actually saying he turns graves into gardens for, for sinners like me and I, I just had this absolute sense that I'm welcomed in I don't deserve it I'm not a paid up member but someone has welcomed me in And this is a picture of that. It's a picture of enjoyment. She knows that she's loved and forgiven and her worship pours out of her as a result. I'm going to close just by reading some words from Garden City, a brilliant book by John Mark Comer. And uh, let's perhaps just respond as we hear his words here. He says this. If your dreams are all about you, then your dreams are way too small. You need to dream larger, larger than your job, your career, your net worth, your name, your body. You need dreams as large as Jesus's vision of the kingdom. A kingdom where greatness has been radically redefined around a crucified Messiah, where children are the guests of honour, where servants lead and leaders serve, where the last are first. Whatever your calling is, whatever you end up doing with your life, please, please don't do it for yourself. We've been there, done that. It's a waste of oxygen. And uh, I just think, let's change the atmosphere. Let's be those ones who say the whole house was filled with something new, and that was love. And as we respond to that, just know today that you are deeply, deeply loved by Jesus.